Hi, this is Dr. Jeannie Drisco bringing you an episode of The Art and Soul of Healing. Today we will be concluding the interview with Dr. Stephen Porges and understanding his polyvagal theory and the treatment that underpins this with the Safe and Sound Protocol. I'd like to welcome back Dr. Stephen Porges. Now, how did you hit upon five hours? You have these one-hour sessions. Well, I start with the acknowledgement that I was dealing with fast twitch muscles, and which fatigue very, very rapidly. So if you put them under great duress for more than 20 minutes, so this is a chronic state, you can get exhausted from it. And what I started to notice is that people would become exhausted after listening, they become very mm-hmm. tired. Mm-hmm. And they would they said sleep like they hadn't slept before because they were getting feedback of muscles, lactic acid in, in those very small muscles. But it was giving feedback to the body, just like if you ran a lot or walked several miles. It's the feedback to the body that is now saying you need to rest. So it's very interesting to me that the body was picking up that fatigue. So the duration of the of the treatment had to deal with what the body could handle. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, I would say, typical people without severe trauma histories, the five one-hour session works fine. But when you start dealing with significant trauma histories, you deal with other mm-hmm. influences to how our body reacts. Mm-hmm. So for those people, the cues of being safe meant they were now like this. Mm-hmm. And their top-down system says, when it detected that, was, I'm vulnerable, can't handle that. Yeah. And that would then create a reaction of anxiety and mobilization because the vulnerability was too great. Mm-hmm. And so trauma-informed therapists are now titrating, using it a few minutes a day or every other day, basically acknowledging and respecting their clients' bodily responses. But the interesting part to me was that our visceral feelings, if we feel safe and we were abused or violated by someone we trusted, feeling safe now is a cue to be defensive. So it creates this paradoxical situation, which requires a very informed therapist. Now there are several SSP providers who have experience with trauma and have actually created a protocol that makes that work well with the traumatized individuals. I did see that in a a younger individual who had severe childhood, adverse childhood experiences, and we had to go very, very slowly. Yeah. with her training, with her SSP, before she could move on. Yeah. And so in a sense, so when I entered, tried to create this, but the first thing I was most concerned about was people powering through the five hours, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which meant they weren't honoring their own body's responses mm-hmm. or their therapist was not honoring their bodily responses. So what you're describing is really the right way. You're getting the feedback from the client the client's telling you they destabilize. And what you say is let yourself calm down and let yourself restabilize. And if this occurs pretty rapidly, let's try it for a few more minutes. Mm -hmm. If not, let's try it in another day or a few days. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a sense, respecting that the body has to relearn that being in a state of calmness and safety is not a vulnerability that they can no longer deal with. So what the child or the other clients may be telling you is 
it makes them feel too vulnerable and they will reflect that in terms of anxiety they yes. can't sit here have to move around and the part of the uh, interaction is a deep respect for what you're being told the person is telling you something that is very uh, viscerally accurate mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so do you think that tune-ups so to speak um, it's kind of a crude term but do you think they're necessary Oh, okay, so actually that's a term we used in my laboratory, by the way. Okay. Tune-ups or booster shots, or when when I administered to my son, we called it tune-ups because if he had a bad day, didn't eat, or you know was didn't sleep, then he needed a tune-up because his body was destabilized. Uh, when I initially developed this, I was under, let's use the term, a naive hopefulness that once you retune the system, the social reward of the positive interactions of co-regulation of being engaged would support the whole system and it just would just take off. But then I realized that when people got a fever or got sick or were overly stressed or some uh, something happened in their family, the system shifts state and the system now moves more into a threat a state, a state of vulnerability of threat and needs to be reassured that mm. everything is okay. So boosters and retune-ups are now common. So when we initially launched it through integrated listening systems, there was no um, recommendation for doing it again. And then, then it's, you know, becomes some, some therapists recommend every few months, you know, initially I thought it might be three to six months, but it's very individual. Oh yeah. Like everything. And, and, and think of it as a neural exercise of reassuring mm -hmm. the nervous system that uh, it's okay to be like this. Okay. To be, to be accessible. So is this accessible or is this vulnerable? <laughs> and we want the nervous to say it's accessible. During lockdown, I'm sure there's been an increased need for SSP. Explain how this might help people with fear. Well, think about fear or anxiety. It's really, if we redefine it from a polyvagal perspective, it's really saying that our body's in a state of threat and our bodies are now prepared to fight or flee. And that, of course, interferes with everything else in their response portfolio, meaning that their social behaviors, their interactions, their, in their, in their work at school, their creativity, their pleasure in life, their sleep patterns, everything else, everything's challenged. So if, if it's in a sense on a, on a mild side and they come from, in a sense, a secure or reasonable home, then this should be able to basically be helpful in managing it. The other part of this, I, I don't like to think of the SSP as a standalone therapy for everything that has any atypical one. At the SSP functionally is an acoustic vagal nerve stimulator. So in a sense, it's going to shift the physiological state of the client to a state that is more ventrally vagal, more calm, and with it comes the neuroregulation of the face and the ability to process sound. So it's using the ears as the portal to calm the physiology down. So if we think that calming our physiology down will we'll change the platform upon which all these other emergent properties, whether it's anxiety or fear, then it will be helpful. Mm -hmm. But if there's true danger in the home, 
abusive homes do occur, then it's a complicated question because is the SSP building sufficient resilience for a nervous system that has to shift into a threat mode, meaning can it now still rapidly shift into a threat mode and then recover into a social engagement mode? So can it be optimized? I, I hope it can be helpful in those situations because what we're really talking, I think there's a backstory here, and that is during the pandemic, a lot of people are spending a lot of time in home environments that are not that safe and the family members are under chronic threat. Often mm -hmm. it's financial or illness, or now you have kids being homeschooled and, and parents trying to work in that same environment. And it's, it's a very demanding time and situation. So it can be very disruptive to the autonomic nervous systems of, of everyone, the parents, the children, the spouses. Mm. So true. What types of people have benefited from SSP? I know you've mentioned the autistic spectrum. Can you talk about that a little bit and then about some of the other clients, patients that you've helped? Yeah, well, it's going to be a real broad spectrum of individuals that have been helped, but there's a set of core features. The core features would be, let's say, hypersensitivities is really the one, the the window that I see most frequently. And then you start seeing the whole portfolio of autonomic destabilization that gets reflected in gut problems, gets reflected in fibromyalgia. So you start seeing a body, the bodies of individuals in which their autonomic nervous system, rather than supporting health growth and restoration, has been supporting defense. So you start seeing that whole range. So the variety, so you could, would see people with anxiety, with social anxiety, even with sleep disorders. I will tell you where we're going now in terms of clinical trials. We have clinical trials dealing with, actually we're starting this one soon, chronic pain. So again, if we think of pain as being part of our defense system and chronic pain as the body not being able to turn off that defense, then hopefully this will be helpful. So we did a pilot project with, and we had good results, and now we're doing a larger project to see if this is a reliable finding. We are also uh, uh, starting a study with a disorder called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. And sure. this is hypermobility. It's where people double-jointed hypermobility, but it's not the mobility that's the issue. It's, it's the so-called comorbid symptomatology mm -hmm. of high anxiety and gut problems. In fact, my collaborator is a gastroenterologist on this, and we're using uh, the acoustic stimulus, the safe and sound protocol, as an acoustic vagal nerve stimulus to reduce gastric pain. Hmm. And that project's starting well, shortly. Why do, why do you think that there is that association in Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome? I, okay, so I'll tell you the next disorder, and then I'll bring it right back to that. Okay. After the two other disorders, we've done a pilot project with Prader-Willi syndrome. Uh. And Prader-Willi sy syndrome is a genetic syndrome, but they have features of autism as well. Mm -hmm. And their voices are not melodic. 
and they are born, when they are born, they have difficulty in the suck, swallow, and breathe reflex, which is the root or the basis of the social engagement system. So that whole neural structure is what becomes a social engagement system. And the final one we're working on is with Parkinson's, and that's going to be started within a month. And that is to see whether the neural regulation of the face can re be rehabilitated hmm. through the SSP. Now, under all these conditions, all three medically defined and often genetically determined disorders, mm -hmm. the question that I've been asking is, what is the real disease? And what is the response of the body to the disease? Oh, of course. So is the response of the body to the disease a response of threat? But it's the threat reaction is not really the disease. Mm -hmm. It's the body's initial reaction to this disruption. Can that symptom be modified? Hmm. And with autism, uh, it certainly can. And remember, there's a, in the diagnostic category or diagnostic systems for autism, sensory hypersensitivity is now part of a, the diagnosis. But with, based upon a polyvagal model, that component is, should be modifiable. And it's the same thing like with Prader-Willi in, in that group there, that group, it, because their suck, swallow, and breathe reflex is poor at birth, their ingestive patterns are strange through life and they become food obsessed. Mm -hmm. And in psychiatry, they start treating it as an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Within polyvagal theory, it really is that ingestion is a less efficient mode of regulating state than it mm. is in others. So they keep going into that pattern. And many eating disorders would be viewed as the same way. This attempt through ingestion of regulating physiological state. And what we found in our initial pilot with Prater Willie is that some of the children were leaving food on their plate at the end. Wow. So that, that was a remarkable one. That um, is remarkable. And the issue now with Parkinson's, um, I was at a conference giving a talk and one of my colleagues had Parkinson's and he was another speaker and he was extremely concerned about leaving his legacy because he was now being videotaped and he had no expressivity, no intonation in his voice. And he said to me at dinner, can I try this? Now, we only have a report from the person who delivered it for the first day. But basically, the end of the, her notes were his dimples came back. So his oh. face started to become reanimated. And as the face became reanimated, the visceral feelings, the feedback from that bi-directional communication said, I feel, you know, he started to have all these emotions coming up, which were kind of being blunted by the lack or of muscle regulation. So we are now starting a clinical trial with Parkinson's. It doesn't, it's not the, it's like with autism and Parkinson's and Prader-Willi, it's not any other standalone. It's not to cure these disorders. Mm -hmm. It's to really say, can we help uh, mitigate the detriments or the, the burden uh, of the symptoms that go with that if the symptoms are merely the body reacting to the disorder, can we cue the body and say, not so bad? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I have an off-topic question here. Your son, Seth Porges, he uh, is a specialist in the recording field. And does he, he is he able to find frequencies when he records that are... Uh, 
that he, does he ever use he this? Hasn't. So I have two sons, Seth, who is actually now making movies and doing things. He actually has a movie on HBO Max called Class Action Park. It got a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's really good. <laughs> And it's, if you have anyone has a chance to watch it, you, you'll watch it and then you'll share the smile that I have thinking about Seth. Uh, Seth is, is uh, he's not the scientist in the family. His older brother, Eric, is the scientist. He's a neuroscientist at the University of Florida. And what Eric has done is uh, Eric actually has a patent on a vagal nerve stimulator using the ear, a non-invasive uh, vagal nerve stimulator. So Eric is working on this whole notion of regulating state and dealing with people who actually for alcoholism and other types and PTSD. So, uh, but Seth is not recording music or selecting music based on certain frequencies. However, I had a discussion with a composer singer this week who has a research lab to interface with scientists and what we're talking about is uh, com having her compose a polyvagal informed song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that's I, that's where I was going. I, you know, it makes sense that you would have music, and yeah. maybe you wouldn't necessarily need to have over the ear earphones. But well, the the fact actually. So let's even move this into other applications. There are people using the SSP with over the air with speakers. Uh, to improve the sucking behavior of very young infants mm -hmm. and also lactation. So mm -hmm. again, if you keep thinking that if I can improve or increase a state of physiological calmness, increase vagal and parasympathetic tone, what are the outcomes? My body becomes more homeostatic. It works more for health, growth, and restoration. And it basically down uh, reacts uh, to threat. It calms mm -hmm. me out. That makes so much sense. You know, there's so many practitioners who only dream about finding a therapy that can benefit so many suffering people, but you did it. So <laughs> kudos well, to you. Well, um, you should, uh, you, you've shared your therapy with over a thousand practitioners to date. You've trained a lot of people. What have you seen from these practitioners that surprised so, you? Actually, about 4,000 have been trained. Oh, my gosh, 4,000. <laughs> and, and I would say that uh, I, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> and I'm becoming a different person uh, based upon what they have done. Because my initial concern was don't do it wrong. You know, you know as an academic, as a professional. Yeah, yeah I get it. <laughs> without... Um, uh, but then I had to be convinced that there were, in a sense, very brilliant and compassionate people out there who were extraordinarily creative. And all I had to do, I had to become safe. And I had to sit back and say, <laughs> what can you teach me? And uh, I mean, it's just amazing what keeps popping up uh, almost every day, including one provider decided to put it on speakers and uh, try it on her dog, who was, a, who was an anxious rescue dog. Oh my and, gosh. And the dog now is much calmer and much more engaging. So um, it gave the dog, she, she did a, a condensed, she did actually I think five continuous hours with the dog, uh, which is a heavy load for any, but the dog was actually transformed the next morning. Wow. Wow. That's news to use. 
Yeah, well, I, what I keep saying is that these are uh, observations of sure. people. Sure, 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 sure. And they then trigger this. So what I'm trying to do, since uh, there are about 1,500 providers using it at any one time, and which means that there have been probably over 10,000 individuals been treated with the SSP. And what we're trying to do as it's gone remote, meaning that it's now as an app where the therapist can help deliver it in remote during the- I've downloaded that, I'm using it. Yeah, and it gives you information on compliance. So you know whether or not your client Mm -hmm. has done it. But what we wanna get done, and this is a few months off, is to have assessments on the dashboard so that you can evaluate your clients pre and post, especially on the sensory scales. And so we really have a crowdsourcing database that will be of, of thousands of individuals, as opposed to like 20 or 30 people in a study, we mm-hmm. could say, okay, we have now have a thousand individuals. These are their pre-existing conditions and this is what's happened. And then we can come up with metrics or numbers of saying, if you have auditory hypersensitivities, what's the probability that this will work for you? Mm -hmm. Now, the Mm -hmm. subjective one from providers is that if you have auditory hypersensitivities, it's in the 80% plus that Mm. that will work on it. Mm. Uh, And and then the other, in a sense, this is again informal, is that what the questions I keep asking, like what groups benefit universally? And Mm -hmm. the ones that uh, children seem to do better because they don't have these associations so we're talking about virtually with ASD, autistic spectrum disorders, a very, very high hit rate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you tell the listeners what kind of practitioners are, you've trained or are using your therapy? Well, the, it's actually a real spectrum. So when uh, integrated listening systems license the technology from me, their, their uh, practitioner uh, base was really occupational therapists and speech and mm-hmm. hearing uh, practitioners. Mm-hmm. But once they, I was in their stable, they started to get all these mental health providers, of including psychiatrists and psychologists, nurses, uh, people who are using it in different environments. And we're creating, in a sense, niche groups. This is part of what we're trying to do where people can talk to each other because there's now many people in education who want to use it within the schools and we're trying to Mm -hmm. get them talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And there's another group that deals in the uh, judicial and the uh, uh, correctional world of prisons. Oh, I hadn't uh, even thought of that. uh, So this is where the creativity comes in, where people say, this is what we want to do. And you get three or four of those emails and you just get the people talking to each other. And it becomes really an interesting dialogue. And Hopefully, you know, it, it starts spreading. Then you have another group, which is actually I'm going to a social justice group, mm-hmm. uh, which is really interested in, in the politics of society and whether we can utilize tools like SSP to make the world safer for others and more connected. So you start wow. getting this very interesting worldview. Uh, and, and, you know, I sit back uh, with a very unusual sense of gratitude for an academic scientist because mm-hmm. academic scientists live lives in which they come up with ideas but they tend not to translate the ideas into practice and then as they age out of the academic system they're bitter 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've experienced or met any of those over the years. I've but... met them, yes. <laughs> and you and I are not there because we are having fun. <laughs> right. So the issue is the, the uh, gratitude I have to have been able to leverage the knowledge or what I've learned from the academic world into something that can be helpful to society is, I mean, it makes me, mm-hmm. enables me to get up in the morning. Yeah, it's, that's a wonderful way to put it. You mentioned the integrated listening system. Can, how does SSP build on that? And maybe you could tell our listeners what the ILS system is. Well, ILS, before they met me, had their own auditory intervention system called FOCUS. And FOCUS was more, I would say, very consistent with the occupational therapy world because it was the integration of movement with sensory information. Mm-hmm. And and they were getting really good success. They had built this program that took them you know, many years. It filtered based upon more of a bone conduction and not dealing with the frequency bands of social communication, which is the SSP. And it was a slower program in which, you know, many sessions and people actually had very good success and they have done real well with it. And so uh, they came, they met me and they wanted to see if this would be another product. And so we're actually talking now about creating a hybrid product, which contains the sensory movement, which is focus, but the focus music is now processed like the SSP. Oh, that's great. That's a great so, idea. So we're working on, on doing that. We've also, if you have the remote, you, you've seen the launch. There's now going to be SSP balance, which is what we in the code was SSP light, which was really a stabilizing, not as aggressive filtering of, of the music that would enable people to, uh, not necessarily retune, but to maintain their their treatment levels. And I saw the SSP balance as being the surrogate for the acoustic vagal nerve stimulator. So in a sense, I saw it as a, a, a non-aggressive state changer. You listen to this, your body will relax. And so if you were going, let's say your, your therapist was somatically oriented, a body type therapist. And People often don't like to be touched, but need to be touched. So they, you know, they go to these different physically, physical oriented therapies. And what those therapists were saying, if they can let their clients listen for 10 minutes before the session, their bodies are much more available. It's, wow. So you get this type of feedback where people are creatively using the, using the system to optimize what they're doing. There's another group of trauma therapists. They're called somatic experiencing mm-hmm. therapists. Mm-hmm. And I think there's somewhere between 50 and 100 of them are also now SSP providers because they see the SSP as an accelerator for the mm-hmm. interventions that they're developing, just like you will see it with neural feedback. Mm-hmm. It accelerates because it fosters a physiological state that enables their interventions to work more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I've had experience with ILS, and it is long. It does take time and commitment, but it makes sense that using the SSP with it would uh, certainly accelerate yeah. the effect. That's yeah. exciting. Now, what we're also dealing with, ILS was purchased by another company called Unite, and that's the one. Oh, that, okay. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I see the, seen the name Unite, yeah. but I didn't realize that. And I'm working with them 
to modify a heart rate monitor so that SSP providers can measure autonomic stabilization before and after the intervention. And we hope to launch that within, let's say, three or four months. So that will be. Well, we were doing that with our uh, neurofeedback equipment, looking at heart rate variability, and we could tell if the, if the patient was really engaged or not. So uh, that would be good. It would be good to have that device available. Yeah. yeah. And so we're working on that. It, it's going to be relatively inexpensive, meaning like around $200. It uses a photopathismograph and it will measure sympathetic tone from the amplitude of the pulse waves and it will measure the vagal regulation of the heart and the new metric vagal efficiency. So we oh, that's all packaged it. And we're working on, on this as a structured protocol so that uh, providers can do a pre-test and then a post-test. Well, I so appreciate your time. Thank you, Dr. Stephen Porges, for such an inspiring conversation and a portal for the way of retraining our autonomic nervous system from fight or flight to rest and restore. And as always, I'd like to thank the Alliance for Natural Health USA for standing in the gap for our health freedoms. Check out anh-usa.org today and become a member.